Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right. Here we go. By the way, we had our first week of uh, Flourish reading through Scripture. And uh, thank you for the uh, 690, is that what it is? 690 people. That are, that are on the website with us or Facebook page. And we're, um, we're going through daily reading. You can still join. If you come in here, Ashley, tell me again, what do they need to do if they want to be where we are in the reading? So how do they know how to do that? Find a friend who's, find a friend on the page and you can join with them where they are. So if you join starting day one now, you're gonna start at the beginning of the Bible. So you won't be where we are. But if you join one of the people there that have been in there, the 690 people, Ashley has a group already. She's kind of pulling in and you can form groups where you're all doing it together and you can communicate back and forth, right? Within that group. So we're forming some subgroups within that. If you have any questions, (laughs) email Ashley. She'll be glad to help you. What is that? What is that? Ashley at BethelCleveland.com and she'll have a little video there to help walk you through it, correct? Yeah, there you go. She's just getting a little, little work done there. And also, for those of you who uh, you want to kind of go through it and check through, we have a little booklet we made out back. There's a few of those left. We've given out 50 or more of these, I think. Uh, they're free, uh, but it just takes you through if you want to check off every day or you can do it on the app on the, what is that app we use? It's uh, Uverse. Bible U version. Oh yes, and today there are Bibles in the bookstore that also follow the exact pattern of what we're following. And then on Fridays, we're doing a podcast. We recorded on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then Friday, it's released. So the Friday, this first one was a little long. <laughs> 50 minutes, you know, we're kind of getting our sea legs there, trying to figure it out. Um, but we had a good time, Ashley and I, talking about some of the things that we had studied that week. We're going to do it. Obviously, we cover a lot of material. And so if you jump in with us, uh, we're just going to be selecting key things. We're in Abraham this week. You're going to really like it, the reading. I'm already reading ahead uh, so that I can stay ahead for, the, uh, for when we do the podcast. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Give us a little time, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks, and uh, we'll have this kind of, you know, rhythmed out, and uh, Ashley told me to, uh, am, I, am I using my preaching voice right now? She said I have three voices. One, one is probably what, when I'm mad at you or something? Is that one voice? Yeah, there's the mad voice, there's the, there's the preaching voice, and then the regular Steve voice? So am I doing, which one am I doing now? Regular Steve. Regular Steve, okay. Well, raise your hand when it gets preachy, preachy kind of. She does, said it was a little preachy in the, uh, in the podcast, so I'm... I'm going to be watching it, you know, this week. I had some things I wanted to say about her too, but I didn't, you know, I, I, knew, that, I knew that Jesus wouldn't want me to because it's one of the things he's dealing with in my life right now, so, so I, I left that out. <laughs> we had a great time doing it uh, in a little room together and just chatting back and forth. It was a lot of fun, actually. That's part of why it went long. So we're going we're gonna to hold it to about 30 to 35 minutes each week. So we're just meant to be an appetizer, something to stir hunger. And there is great hunger about this right now. How many of you in here right now are a part of the, the flourish? Look at that. Around the room. Oh, that's like two-thirds of the room. Excellent. 
A lot of people here. I, that's what I was really pleased about. We got people from around the world that are on it, but the majority are people from Bethel Church Cleveland. So thank you for being a part of it. It's part of the underground building that we're doing this year. Ashley's had this idea for quite a while. She brought it up. You know, we thought, well, we'll probably get maybe 40, 50 people. I mean, people just aren't into daily reading of the word right now. It's just not something that, that's happening. And so, but I said, let's try it and see what happens. And the thing blew up. And I believe it's going up to 1,000 pretty quick uh, because more and more people are hearing about it and want to be a part of it. People actually want a community to study the word together. And, and for nothing else but accountability. It's just fun to have, oh yeah, I need to do that. Others are doing it. You know, it's, a, it's, the, it's the effect of the crowd. And we want to help everyone, not in a legalistic way, but in a, in, a, in a way of discipline of our lives and taking control of what we do in our lives. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, you know. And people that exercise self-control are being influenced by the Spirit of God. It's, it's what happens when the Spirit of God is there. You learn kindness, you learn joy, you learn love and peace, you learn self-control. And so we're learning self-control. And I, I've been practicing these things for a long time and I, it's, it's, a, it's a lifetime uh, challenge because you go in and out of control. How many of you have ever been out of control? Just raise your hand. Yes, it happens. So in and out of control. And so in control, something's controlling you. Uh, I, just, I just found out today that I spent six hours and four minutes a day on my phone this week. So, you know, we're gonna get control over that thing. Part of it was reading the scripture for the uh, daily reading. That's what jacked it up so much. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn to control things. You learn to control your weight for health purposes. You might live longer. And this is a great time. I, New Year's resolutions, I know they die within about 10 days. But when you ask the Spirit to partner with you like I did, uh, well, a year and 10 months ago when I was, I was overweight. And I, you know, I, I didn't know, I, I, I never really had a weight problem, but I was, I was I'm not gonna say how much I was, but I was, I was 30 pounds over and uh, where I should be. You know, my BMI, I need to achieve that. And, uh, and so I'm in it now. It feels much better in the BMI than it did in the, the latter movement of a year and a half ago. And so I lost 35 pounds over a period of about six months. I did it very slow, just changed my habits. And, uh, and then uh, December, or no, November, December, I got out of my habits. I went into rebellion for about two months. And I thought the whole, I, I think it started with Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, and I, and so I put on a few pounds and, and so we, Cindy and I both declared war again. I'm just telling you this because it's the battle on this side of heaven. We've been born again to bring the kingdom into our lives. Now, as soon as we think kingdom, we think outside of us. You know, I need to win more souls. And we, we want to win souls. We've proven that over the past year. We need to disciple some people. We, we do need to, we need to do all that, you know. But the greatest thing you can do, and I'm not talking about greater as in lesser than doing those things. I'm talking about the first thing that needs to be done. So here at the first of the year, we're looking and saying, what do we need to do in 2024? What are my goals? My goals for this church, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay them out here. This year are not widget goals. Widgets, you know, you know what widgets are? 
I don't even think I know what widgets are, but widgets are those things, you know, we, we get more widgets or more, more money, more whatever, more vacation, more, 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 more. And most of those mores are outside of us. You know, they're, they're what the external aspect. And so we seldom go to the soul and say, Here, here's what happened to me. I've, I've been doing 40 years, 40, almost, yeah, 40 years of being a coach and a trainer for people about forming maps for their life. Wrote a book about it, you know, five years ago. Thank you for that one handshake, hand clap. Um, I wrote a book on it, you know, and because it, it's what, it's I'm marked to do. I cannot help myself. It's what God put in me that I, and that's a problem when you're married because you try to solve every problem, you know, and we know that as husbands that it's not about solving problems, it's about listening, you know. So I've learned that, that that's, you know, I need to learn to listen and not try to solve all the problems uh, that are in our household at various times, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's a learning experience for me. And so entering into this, the first of the year, I felt this year, this, this is what I was telling you about, about five years ago, Lord spoke to me one day after a conversation with Graham Cook. And, and we've had many conversations over the years. He's been a friend since uh, 96, I think, something like that, 96. And uh, Graham's very good at this. Uh, and it's, it's not how many widgets do I want to produce in 2024, but looking at different. So it's not how much money I want to make. Those are all great little earth-like uh, goals to have. Hey, I'd like to make more money so that we can go on vacation or whatever, pay our house off, whatever. Those are great things to talk about. They're not eternal things, but they're temporal things and they are necessary. But the eternal things are not about, you know, even necessarily how many souls I want to save or how big the church, I'm talking about from my perspective, how big the church needs to be, what our growth patterns need to be, what the income needs to be. I do have to think of that because it, it kind of keeps the, the wheels spinning here, you know, uh, as far as the legal entity of Bethel Church. But the, the real ecclesia here is the people. And so, as Bill Johnson would say, uh, we don't wanna, he doesn't want to grow a big church. He wants to grow big people. And so, we've been doing that for a while. You know, we grow big people. But I think about it, I thought each year it comes back to me on my personal resolution of the year, what's who I want to be accomplished in 2024. And it's it, my goals this year I'm thinking through them. I don't want to be dishonest here, but I don't think I have any goals this year that are, that are, that are temporal. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of stuff this year. I know what, what's laid out and what's on my calendar. I'm going to get to go to Taiwan if I can get courage to get on that plane and fly halfway around the world. I'm going to Taiwan. I'm going to Portugal and Ireland, and we're going to Italy and uh, all kinds of great trips this year to Canada and other places. Uh, I'm missing one. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, we're going. We're going to be taking teams at times to those like we used to do uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago because there is, there's, there's fewer great investments of money than travel in my world. Uh, when you travel, you transform. You really do. You, you get, I don't know why. I don't understand it. Something about a pilgrimage, something about the trip itself. You know, the journey is the destination, all that stuff. You know, that there's a sense that when you're on a trip, particularly when you're with a group of people, there's a dynamic that happens that changes your thinking. 
It's like a compressed moment, a parentheses of your life that God can work in, you know? And so I'm looking ahead and we're gonna do those things, all those things, but I'm not thinking a lot about it. What I'm thinking about is a new thing. I used to say, when I coach people, like in this temporal world, I say, what do you want your uh, business to be like? Or what do you, where do you want your business to be a year from now? Financially, how you're gonna grow, things like that. Um, I spend some hours a month coaching different people in their businesses, coaching churches in their church growth or things like that. And, and almost always it's based on tangible, visible growth. What you can see from the outside, the expansion, the growth. And, and again, I don't want to demean that, but there's something right now of a move of the spirit that is going way deeper than that that I've been flirting with for about a decade now. And what it is, is it's not how much money do I want by the end of this year, how much prestige I want, how many likes I want on my page, especially the Flourish page, how many likes I want on the page, but it's now like, what kind of person do I want to be a year from now? So that's different. It's different. It's different. And we celebrate that. It's like, oh, oh, and what that means work inside. I've been saying this for years. The promised land is one, maybe there's multiple promised lands. One of the greatest promised lands in your life is you. It's the mining of you. It's the transformation of your soul. The Bible gives us so many great ways to transform our soul. It says in Corinthians that you behold his face. And you're transformed in his image. That's why I come Sunday morning, uh, I, I sometimes bring in a coffee or you know, a drink or something like that, but I, I usually forget it because my focus is, is, is not the group of people I'm here with. There's, that's part of it. I mean, we're here together. We're a tribe you know, that's pursuing the Lord. We love the presence of God. But I'm pursuing the Lord in a corporate anointing. It's different than my prayer closet. There's something more powerful here Together, when we together come before the Lord. You know, the Bible is, is more corporate than it is individual. It's always about tribes, nations, peoples. You know, there's, I mean, there's a few exemplars in Scripture, you know, that we know about Paul and Abraham and all the various ones that are there. But out of the millions and millions of people, there's a lot of, a lot of people just living life you know, and in the church right now, we are captivated. I want to make sure I do not get off track here. It's one of my new resolutions for 2024. We are captivated with, with shiny things all around us. It's just the way the culture is right now. You know, we need this, we need that. If I had this, if I did, you know, and, and really it's, it's inward. So I'm going to start with something in Hebrews 11. We're going to talk about, I will talk about in the days that I'll talk about buildings and properties and People we're going to reach, and Tommy Zito's coming back. We're going to do some more prophetic uh, or evangelistic stuff and reaching the community. We're always going to do more prophetic stuff. We're going to raise up a batch of preachers this year. It's one of my, one of my personal goals is to extend some of the preaching input into this church. Uh, there's a whole lot of things that we're, we're doing, you know, not just bringing people from outside in, but people that are inside and uh, uh, revealing some of the gifts that they have. So these are all things, I mean, I got a whole list. Last year I had 25 things, dream lists for, for our church, and we accomplished uh, 70% of them. 
And uh, some of them were pursued and some of them just happened. That's one thing I love about presenting goals before the Lord. It engages heaven. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When you lose something saying, this is what my desire is, there's, a, there's an alignment in heaven. There's an alignment toward what that is. You cooperate with that and you'll see success without a lot of effort. It's all about your heart being in the right place. But you have, to, you have to make some internal decisions. So I'm starting in Hebrews 11. I'm gonna go quick through this. Hebrews 11, eight, it says this. We are on a pilgrimage. And I'm gonna show you, actually I brought a, a few slides here. I'm gonna show you slides. <laughs> Shows you how old I am. Some pictures I'm gonna show in a minute. Um, Hebrews 11, eight, slideshow. That's what we're gonna have. Hebrews 11, eight, by faith. Everyone say by faith. By faith. Are you there in your Bible yet? I brought mine. God bless its soul. This Bible's been through a lot <laughs> over the years. I still carry it. It's upside down, actually. And uh, it's got all kinds of writings in it. It's like hieroglyphics. It's, uh, you know, but it's, I, I, I love it. I love being able to open this Bible. There's, there's something, you know, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd say it's magical. I'm a Christian, so I'll say it's mystical. Something mystical about opening scripture and, and beginning to read something tactile in your hands. So I encourage you to do, bring your Bibles in 2024. We will be using them. Hebrews 11.8 says, by faith, everyone knows what faith is, substance of things, hope for evidence of things unseen. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Well, that tells me. I mean, there's a whole sermon in that right there. That it takes faith to obey. For what the Lord has laid out in our lives, it's gonna take faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you're getting faith right now. Your faith is being stirred up within you just by hearing the word of God being preached. Even as I read out of scripture, so use that faith well to obey the Lord, to do what is right. There's huge universalism stuff going on out there. It's saying it really doesn't matter what you do. You're sealed in the blood of Jesus. Your life has been touched. You're going to heaven. Live the life you want. You know, and that's going on out there, and that is heresy. It really is, obviously. The blood of Jesus covers everything, but he's called us with a free will into an eternal commitment with him. And you can, in my understanding of scripture, which we'll be touching on this year, you can decide not to be in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate that. Hebrews 11, won't get on that. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. Now, every time in charismatic circles you preach on a message like this, uh, 20 people leave the church. They do. That's confirmation that I'm to go out, you know, and it's not. I'm just telling you that it's not. You need to stay here, plant yourself. Obviously, if you get multitudes of confirmation to do that, you do that. But don't be silly. And just because one thing flings into your mind at one point, well, that must be God and I'm going to do it. I see people, I've been in this 45 years. I see people shipwrecked everywhere because they followed a word of the Lord. You better have some serious confirmation. I, all the time I tell people, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Well, I heard from God. Yes, I, 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 you may be. I, I don't know. But you, you better be ready. You better be, I mean, yeah, but he can make it into good. Of course he can. He can make it into good. But this is going to be a huge sidetrack for you going into a whole different direction. You're going to end up in a different place. Stay where you are in that marriage. She's really not that bad. (laughs) 
the job is good, they've been good to you. Like we're all wanting to hear words to confirm what our flesh is directing us in. The faith he obeyed when he was called to go out to the place. There's a whole lot of detail there. Called, go, out, place. What would happen? There's a reward in front of it. He knows what the reward is because it's been given to him. He would receive an inheritance. What was the inheritance? He didn't know at the time. It got defined later on that he would be a blessing. He'd be a father of nations. He'd be a blessing. What the, like the, what's it saying? One version, the, the, like the sand or like the, like the dust, like the sand, like the stars. God just loves to use these huge, massive pictures. They're nothing for him to say, but we're like, whoa, that's a lot. What he's saying is more than you can count. That's the inheritance that's coming to you. So he went out. Now in, in Flourish this week, we're going to dig deeper into this. We're going to talk, talk, talk about Abraham, how he's believed to be the first man in history to leave a geographic environment and go to another geographic environment for anything other than water. Got to remember in ancient times, you don't leave to go somewhere. Just, I'm going to go exploring over there because you're going to die over there because you don't know if there's any water over there or if the water's good. You stay near water, over here near water. You don't leave it too far. I don't want to go more than a water's length of what I need away. So in ancient culture, everything was in water. Even when they came in the United States, they, all the main settlements are by water. You know, New York, Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit. Pittsburgh really got off base. But anyway, well, the three rivers, I can't give them that. By water, lakes, rivers, whatever. Why? Because there's life in that. So you plant yourself. I want to encourage some of you to make a deal with God. And God can always change this. But tell him, Lord, this is where I'm planted the rest of my life. You know, I did that when I went to Canada. The Lord called me there for 10 years. And at the end of the, right at the beginning of the 10th year, the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, he stirred some things up and it made me realize that even though it was difficult and it was a challenge living in the place I was for, for different reasons, it was just a difficult place to live. And it's hard climate-wise, it's hard you know, economically and everything else. It's just, I'm, my wife's family's there, we love all them. That, that made it sweet during all those years and we, two of our kids were born up there, you know, so we got all that good stuff going. But I came to a point where I had to kind of put the knife to my own neck and say, look, you're going to stay here the rest of your life if God wants you to. Because I have people all the time, why did you stay that long? It's like, well, I was, I was called to go there. It was not pleasant for seven years, I want to tell you that. But you, this isn't about being pleasant. It's about obedience to what God has called you to do. And so I went there, and at the beginning of that 10th year, I, I had a thing with God, and I just said, Lord, you know, can't believe I'm saying this, but if you want me here the rest of my life, I'm willing to do it, Lord. I'm, I, I mean, you blessed me here in a land of my affliction. I had 22 major and minor ailments in the first two years I was there. I mean, my, my index finger and my thumb cracked open and bled for 10 years. As soon as I crossed the border in the United States, they healed. And I've never had that since then. So you want to talk about spiritual entities and attacks and judgments and things like that? I'd love to talk to you about it because I've lived through it a whole lot in my life and realized that, wow, there's some weird things that go on out there. 
And you better be careful about where you want to go and where you want to be. And so as soon as I said that, instantly the Lord began rolling out this thing for me to leave Canada and come back into the United States. It's like as soon as I said, I'm here forever, the Lord goes, that's all I need to hear. I need you out of here. It's like, oh, I have to remember that for the future. <laughs> I'm going to be in Cleveland the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he went out not knowing, not knowing, not knowing, not knowing where he was going. Now, I know those people are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just following the Lord. I've heard that. Some of that is just silliness. He was, he was going with a purpose, but not knowing the details. It had already been confirmed. It's not just about, I don't know, I don't know, and I want to stay in, I don't know. I don't know is not a great place on, this, on planet Earth. Maybe in heaven it's okay. I don't know. But here, you need to know. You need to know what time you need to be at work. You need to know how much you're paying. You need what your bills are. There's a lot of stuff in the natural realm you need to know. You need to know. And so I want a, a church to be developed this year. And we're thinking of different ways that it might be expressed, but that we, we become a people that are living a life of faith and dependency upon the Lord and they're building their own soul and planning and preserving and laying a foundation. Somebody gave me a word about foundation a few minutes ago. It's a really good word. Oh, it was Bob. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, about the Cleveland Clinic, how deep they're going, like five stories down, you know, to build this building they're building. You're going to build in God. You're going you're to work something deep into your life. I mean, think about it. Someone tell me, what was, what was Jesus doing when he was 24 years old? What was he doing? It was a carpenter. You think it was a carpenter, right? Yeah. Okay, what was he doing when he was like 27? He's a better carpenter? Yeah. How about 29? What was he doing at 29? So for 30 years, Jesus was doing life. We don't know what dreams he might have had. We don't know what, to what degree he understood the God that was, that he was God. And I mean, I know it's just a, it's a kind of a deal. You're just like, I have no idea. Like, was he fully aware he was God? Was he partially aware? Was did he believe in prophetic words? What, what was, well, of course he was God, but yeah, but he, he kind of put that aside. He, he took on the form of man. How, how does that all work? I don't know. But, but anyway, he did it and he walked through life. And some even would say when he read out of Isaiah 61, when he was in the synagogue, that that was the launching point. It was the movement. It was kind of like hearing a word from God. It was the moment where he said, and today this is fulfilled in your ears. So in a sense, kingdom people do what they do because they're obeying and moving in faith and they'll move out of themselves like Abraham did when the call of God comes. We didn't, no one ever preaches about the call anymore. I was raised in that where I heard you gotta be called of God, you know? And it was probably legalistic and it, and it was reserved for a few people that were going to Bible school or something like that. Had the call of God on their life and didn't understand that your call could be as a physical therapist, your call could be as a doctor or a teacher or something like that. And God's gonna use you in that place, you know. But, and I like the fact Lance Wallnow, many others are, are bringing that in such a way that it's, 
It's received, like, yeah, we all are called in some way, but you've got to move in the call. You can't just be influenced by other people. We've got to hear what God says. You move, and you will go out, but you're going out into the place of unknowing. Now, there's a book I recommend. This is like, it's like nuclear, though. I, honestly, if, you were, if you're not ready for your mind to be blown, do not read it. Save it. And, and I don't even know if I can read it. I may have been reading it, but I, it's, it was given to me years ago. It's called The Cloud of Unknowing. It was written in the 14th century. It's pretty well known. I, I discovered it when I was in England once. Um, I was over there and someone said, well, you know, that's in the cloud of unknowing. And I'm like, I thought that was like a spiritual term or something. I said, we have the cloud of witnesses and the cloud of unknowing? I don't remember reading about that. I said, no, the cloud of unknowing, the book. I said, what book? You know, from the one from the 14th century. And back then I thought, I don't read anything earlier than the 20th century other than the Bible, really. You know, so it kind of stirred me a bit. So I went out and got the book and I started reading it and it was, I, I couldn't handle it. It was, it's, it's basically about the life of contemplation. It's got like, I don't know, 80 chapters in it and it's this thick. I mean, it's, every chapter is one page. It's really strange. But it was written and they only know who wrote it. But it's been used throughout history in the church as a, as a centering point for Christian mystics, people that believe they hear from God and believe that God, and so, you know, I was just reading it this morning and I thought, it's the cloud of unknowing. We've, we've moved into this cloud of unknowing where we are, we are governed by the Holy Spirit and the word of the Lord. We've actually brought our will under submission to the move and spirit and word of God. And so to walk righteously, you have to know the word of God. This is the beginning place. Thank you, all of you that signed up to go through daily because it's the foundation that needs to be laid for what's gonna happen this year. There's some, there's some wonky stuff coming. I really believed a month ago, the Lord spoke to me there's gonna be 30 attacks in America, Hamas-style attacks in America. I believe it's gonna be sometime in, in the near future. I don't know when it's gonna be, but it's gonna be something I saw very clearly. I wasn't thinking about those things. I've seen these things before. They have come to pass. Uh, but this one I saw and I thought, oh, you know. But what it was is it wasn't as a warning. I mean, what can you really do about that other than pray? But it was, it was, a, it was a warning in the sense of, of the undergirding of the foundations of your soul. This is a moment right now, all this year, we're gonna, we're gonna devote like months of study to particular books of the Bible. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do Jude. I've been promising to do Jude. I'm moving Jude into February though because we're going into Thessalonians for, uh, for this next month or so. And we're gonna go chapter by chapter in there on Sunday mornings and we're gonna talk about some key things because Thessalonians is a book that has the hope of Christ's return attached to it, but also has this, this development of your soul to ready yourself regardless of what happens. And in the second half of this year, there's gonna be a lot of what happens. There just is. It's, it's gonna be constant turmoil and confusion. And if your mind is not, if you do not have the mind of Christ and if your, your soul is not locked into scripture, you will be confused and lost in the midst of it. Many even to the losing of their soul. And so I read this Abraham and I'm like, wow, you know, it's like, this is a journey that we're on. It's, a, it's an interesting journey. But you know, I've been on this journey for a long time, as I've said of, I taught the map thing that I did for, I don't know, 20, taught it 24 years. 
I've developed it now. I use it for seniors. I use it for married couples. I use it, you know, wherever I go. I just adapt it and say, look, we know where we want to go. We want to be conformed in the very image of Christ. What does that look like? How do I get there? What are the things I need to do in my life right now? Let's get going and let's do it. That's discipleship, you know. And then the, uh, two years ago, it, it, through a fluke, I ran across this, uh, I, I be, we go to Italy, you know, uh, now we go, uh, we try to go annually because we just, we feel called to go there. And uh, we went uh, four trips um, that were purely vacation. And then all of a sudden the Lord's opened massive ministry doors in Italy. Um, I mean, there's, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming really. We will be taking trips to Italy in the days ahead because there's such a need there uh, right now. So massive doors opened up, even to the point where I thought, Lord, you know, I, I, I never, it wasn't my goal to come and minister here. I just love the history and I love the food and the cappuccinos and you know, all that kind of stuff that comes with it. We, we love all that. We, we love hiking. So we took up hiking some years ago. And then, and then I, in my, on my treadmill on YouTube, it came up about this Via Francigena, which is the ancient path from, from uh, Canterbury, England to Rome. It's 1,200 miles long. And I thought, I want to do that. And so I started watching videos of people doing it. There's all kinds of videos. You know how YouTube is. And so I'm watching these videos. I'm a bit stirred up about it. And I made this commitment. I said, Lord, I wanna, I wanna, if I just do a little chunk of it or something, I want to see. Because they talked about how the path changes your life. People who were divorced, got a divorce, or had a death in the family, or bankrupt. Uh, particularly like Catholics. They, it's like their spiritual experience. It's like a, a Holy Spirit experience for them to go on the pilgrim path and walk it and leave your burdens there. And so when you get to the last hour of this path, after 1,200 miles, it takes months to do it. You, you, I watched these videos. People collapse on the ground, begin weeping, and they cry out to God and thanking him for his goodness. Like, what? And you look, I watch these. I go, what is going on there? What is the dynamic that's going on there? You know, it's this cathartic thing that's happening in their soul and their mind as they, what is it? What it is is focus on unknowing. You, you, have, you have a path laid out that if you walk it every day, you know where it's going. It's going to go to Rome. But on the way, there's different things that happen along the path. I want to show you some pictures. We show the first one up. Up here. I did it with uh, some lifelong friends. That's Ken Roberts right there in the middle, his wife, Missy. And Ken was my roommate in college. So I brought him out of Canada years ago. He, we, he helped in a church that we planted here in 1980. So we're right at the beginning of this segment, this leg of the Via Francigena. When we go under that bridge, we're on the path. Now, we're in a town right now. And so it's like, you know, it's a town. You want to get out in the countryside. Let's go to the next one there. So there I am, that's me hiking with some sheep. No matter where I go, there's sheep. You know? And uh, this is the path. The path looks different. You can see it's winding up the hill there. This is in Tuscany. We were in San Miniato. We're heading down to San Gimignano. And it's about a 33-mile journey. And so, you know, I'm 67, so we thought, let's do 10 miles a day. You know, we'll do that. This first day is 13 miles because we had to do a little bit extra. So... Uh, we practiced for it, we spent months preparing for it, and here we are. And now you you're get there, you're really excited, we're on the path, we're on the path. Then you realize the path is the path. You're walking on it. I mean, it's hours and hours of thinking about cappuccinos and pasta, things like that. You're, you know, you're in the next town, you know, and you're walking, and it takes a while to clear your mind out. But there is a moment and I could almost point on the path and tell you it was probably 
To, and then we're with other people. And so you're chatting and talking. And so we, we made an agreement. Like, you know, the, the first hour on the path, we, would, we wouldn't talk. That was my rule. I just thought, I just thought let's just, let's, let's get our heads clear, you know. And, let's, and so it was, it was like a detox, you know. And we were in a detox. We need a detox right now as a church. We, we are so jumbled up and so, the anxiety is so heavy in, in the people in America and even in the church. And, and we're forgetting what God's called us to. So we're starting on this path and it's okay. You feel anxious, but keep on the path because these things will begin to separate out of your life. Let's go to the next one here. I'm not sure what it is. Oh yeah, look at this. So these are poppies down here in the foreground. This is going right through the heart of Tuscany. We saw like three rainstorms in the distance in different locations. That's how much far you can see. Stunning, beautiful. This is in, uh, this is in the spring. This is in May of last year. Sometimes the path is stony. Sometimes it's rock. Sometimes it's stairs. It takes all kinds. Let's go to the next one. Okay, there we are. Uh, this is toward the end of the first day. Ken and I are taking a little break there and we have some you know, munchies and stuff. We sit and talk. What we didn't realize is Ken had injured his feet on that first day. We just found out. He forgot to put inserts into his uh, um, hiking shoes and it really damaged his feet. He couldn't walk for three days. So, so we're sitting down there right now. But, and, and I was discouraged by that because it knocked out the second day for me. I've been thinking about this path for a couple years. And it was three days. So I had to, the second day, I took off because the, the ladies went ahead, Missy and Cindy. But I stayed with him to help get him situated, make sure it worked out. And I, I was able to do third day. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, there I am back on the path again. Just another beauty. This, this, this is so, when you walk through this, which is such a metaphor for life, it just, it, it blows your mind clean of so many things. You think, about, you think about the sins of your past, the things you've already been forgiven of. You think about those things. You think about opportunities. And if you, all this stuff's going through your head, you know, and, and you are one by one, you're deconstructing in your mind, getting these things out and, and getting, by the, by the second day, you wake up really energized and you are excited about the journey. And all the stuff that you carry with you have been left on this first day. Let's go to the next one. Look at that. That's not, uh, there's no lens, you know, no temp, what do you call it? A uh, filter, I, uh, no filter on that at all. That is, it's like mind-blowing green. Uh, in, in May, it just blows up, you know. And these are, these are buildings that date back, this is Tuscany, you can't just build a garage on your house there, you know. It's, it's a UNESCO site. So these have been around, that house is probably four to 500 years old. And uh, it's a newer home in Tuscany, and uh, it's actually abandoned. So that's where we went up and sat. Let's go to the next one here. Yeah, this is all along the way. Uh, thank the Lord for GPS. You know, you can track where you are in the path. That's where we are in the blue dot. We're heading toward that red dot to the right there, and that's the town we're going to. So there's a constant referencing to where am I, and I am, an, am I in the place that God has called me to be? Am I in that place of heading toward where God wants to take me? And so you check, that to me is the, I mean, to me, that's, that's the voice of the Lord. I mean, the voice of the Lord is the best GPS you've got. And he'll let you know you're on the right path, even when it doesn't feel like it. So let's go to the next one and see what it is. 
Yeah, there we go. Look at those vineyards to the left. Those are probably, uh, we have some vineyards there. We have some, uh, those are probably almond trees there on the left and on the right. Uh, we go by lemon orchards. Uh, with, they have lemons like this, this big. There's lemons the size of melons over there. And this is the path, and that's all you see. There's another one here. I want to show you, when you get close to the city, it started raining. Next, next pick. Oh, there we are in one of the towns. Uh, next pick. Uh, that's a guiding post along the way. That little VF on the left, is, you see it everywhere. Helps guide you along the trail. Next. That's San Gimignano, which is our ultimate destination. And it, it used to be a city in medieval times that had 70 towers in it. Seven zero. 70 towers. There's about 17 left now. You can see them. It looks almost like Manhattan on a hill there. And uh, that's about an hour away from where we are walking. But you, in the midst, that was a foggy, rainy day, and we just peeked at it. And when you see the destination, it reminded the city set upon a hill, you know? It was like, you, you see, you get clarity. Even though it's a bit foggy, you get clarity. That's where we're going. And, and energy comes into you. You're really tired at that point. In fact, we went through a lot after this picture right here because it started pouring rain. We kept walking all the way to San Gimignano. It was pouring rain. The next one, let's see what it is. Yeah, there's the rain. We popped by a monastery on the trail, strangely enough, named Bethel. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the last picture. Let's see, anything else? That's it, yeah. So I, I want to bring those up because I got such revelation on the trail and we've done it, we've done parts of it, you know, even since then in September, and we're gonna go back and do more this year, but there's something about on the trail that reminds me of the life purpose. And so this is what I feel God's calling us to this year. In my last minute here, go to a verse I want to read to you. 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm jumping ahead. We're gonna do uh, one, two, three, four, and five over the next five weeks. But 1 Thess Thessalonians 4 sets a, a, a foundation for us here. In verse 9, this is the first leg of our journey, and I want to challenge you on it right now in these next few minutes. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. When I read that the other day, I thought of Bethel. This church is a gift. I mean, I don't know if you realize it or not. It's a pretty amazing gift. It, uh, people who leave here and then call me back, they can't find a church. You know, the, this is unique in many ways. You know, uh, I know a lot of churches. I've been in, I don't know how many, hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands of churches. I always love coming back here because there's a sense of distinct purpose, a sense of the presence of God. We value it above everything else, the presence of God. That's why we worship we spend time, we spend money on worship. We've got great worship people here. I mean, the, the worship band and our leaders are amazing. They really are. I mean, the four or five primary worship leaders we have are, I mean, I hate to use secular terms. I don't know how else to say it. They're world-class people. It's not just their worship. They're just good people, you know. And so I thank the Lord for them and all the play the, the various instruments. I mean, they're just, they're all great, you know. And, and, and we're, it's disproportionate to the size of church we are. I want you to know that. A lot of churches much bigger than us that would envy what we have in the worship capacity. And I like it because they bring us into the presence of God. And so this church is a church of love. You were like the church of Macedonia. And here it says, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. 
This is the challenge of Paul when he's saying, you've done a great job, let's do more. Let's do more of that great job. And there's so many ways that we can do that that I'll be covering in the weeks ahead. But here's one. It says, see that you increase more and more that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. This is way under, undervalued in the church. I mean, in the charismatic circles, we're so jacked up about ministry. We think that's the place that I'll really be happy if I can get into ministry and lead a team and then go out and start something and do this thing. I mean, I've, I've been here 45 years. I, I hear it all the time and I, I, I go, it's really, it's uh, being leadership in the kind of biblical leadership is not becoming a star. It's actually becoming a doormat. It's a welcoming doormat. You get walked on all the time, but you're at the door of the Lord. So that's a good place to be. And so it's not what you think it is. I read this all the time and I go, I mean, because this is my passion personally over these past years, probably since 2019, I know for sure, is to aspire to lead a quiet life. What does that mean? Shh. <laughs> There's an oxymoron here in the Greek, which is really interesting. It's like a it's kind of like saying, uh, it's like saying strive for peace. That's a good oxymoron because striving isn't peaceful. But you strive for peace, you know. You, uh, so much in scripture is, is that way. This is one of them. We're actually, it's saying, it's saying uh, have an ambition to be quiet. That's what the Greek says. Have an ambition. Make it your ambition to be quiet. Now, for me, this meant a lot of things. This, this meant peaceful life. I've, I've kind of developed that over the past five years. I live in pretty strong peace, and uh, it's, it's hard to wreck it. If, if it's wrecked, it's wrecked internally, you know, between Cindy and I, you know, maybe a, a disagreement or something like that. Other than that, you know, I, I live in pretty good peace. I've really created, tried to create a life like that. Um, and also not, not saying things that I shouldn't say. It's part of the quiet life. You ever been in a group where they're talking about something and you have the answer to it? You know, you, you know this is gonna be like a mic drop moment, you know, where you just, if I just say this, they're gonna be like, oh, well, shoot, why didn't you say something earlier, you know? And having the discipline to say, this is not important un enough to do that. I'm just gonna let them talk about it. Now, if you're like me and you're a problem solver, that's a huge discipline. Say, shut up, Steve. So many times, that, you know what I wrote in one of my, I put a sticker like a year or two ago, still there, uh, a sticker on my desk that says, shut up. <laughs> it's a reminder to me. And every time I see it, I bow to it, you know, like, yes, that's right. Because I know it's me through the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Uh, be more measured in what you say. Be more measured in how you communicate with people. So it's part of the quiet life. It says also to mind your own business. Have you read these verses before? <laughs> mind your own business. That doesn't even sound like Jesus. Mind your own business. Aspire to lead. So be ambitious for the quiet life. Mind your own business. I, I'm just going to leave you to unpack that because we don't have time. But it means to attend to cease, cease meddling, basically. There's so many things that start to come out of my mouth now that I have to arrest and say, no, that's, and so I, I, I turn it. 
I turn it and I speak it into something that's positive or good or edifying. Work with your own hands. The bottom line is work. Everyone needs to work. So work with your own hands. There's something about the path of God on this side of heaven. Work. God will use work to develop your life. God will use work to bring peace into your life. He will. It's just what he does. Uh, it's the opposite of idleness. Uh, it's, it's, the Greek specifically is talking about artisanship. You know, get, find a craft and do it. Whatever that craft is, a money-making craft. Christianity doesn't take us from work, but brings excellence to it. And then finally, it says, uh, work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside that you may lack nothing. Everyone stand up with me. Go ahead and stand up. Walk properly. Literally means having good form, the way it's used in other parts of scripture, respectable, honorable, modest, noble. One of the most powerful lessons I had in life was cancer. I don't believe it was sent by God. It just doesn't fit in my theology currently. But boy, did he use it. And in cancer, particularly the kind I had, it shrinks you down from this big world, you know, traveling all over the world. I've been to, I've been to Europe. I stopped counting at 50, 50 times, 50 trips to Europe as of five, six years ago. So I've been all over the world, Asia, Australia, everywhere else. I love it. I love travel, love meeting people. I learned so much from them, you know. But uh, in all that, when cancer comes, boy, it clips off the top 20% of your world instantly before you even know what kind of cancer it is. And the cancer that I had specifically led me to a bed, uh, like months, you know, of, of treatment. And then, and then the stem cell transplant that I went through yeah, it was a grueling 21 days in the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, and no, there's been no greater move upon my life to develop me than that. And so I have to look back at it, and I know it irritates the devil, but I just go, thank you, Lord, for walking me through the valley of the shadow of death. Because I learned some things when I was there. And I came out with this appetite for adventure in God and doing things the right way. And so my goal is to fulfill 1 Thessalonians for me, that I live a quiet life, mind my own business, work with my own hands, walk properly, get all the big, big things out of my head. I want to do this, do that. I mean, part of that's my age also. You just get to a place where you're like, it's really not that big of a deal anymore. You know, it's, it's, I don't need to be recognized by someone. I don't need to be, I don't need to go somewhere to be, to be happy. I don't need, really, I just need the friends that I have and my spouse, my kids. I love them. And, uh, and God, who just directs me throughout. His Holy Spirit is so, so precious. So I want to encourage you right now. We're going to make a, uh, Jay, you're up here. here. Jay, come over here. I want you to, if you could, sorry, this is an assignment, Jay. Psalm 1. Do you have, you have your Bible up here? You can use mine. Oh, on your phone. Get Psalm 1 up. Translation. Doesn't matter. The one you like. We're going to confess this together as a creed for 2024. Sorry I'm late and we're running a little late, but this is an important thing to talk about. You know, blessed is he who, you know that one, Psalm 1. But what I want you to do is I want you to personalize it. 
So we want to talk about me, I, or even my name. So the first verse is the only one that's a little different. Mine is blessed is Steve Witt. So you put your name in there. Okay. Blessed is Jay Brogan. And then it goes on to say, I will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. See, it's a commitment before God. Nor will I stand in the path. Do you get the rhythm of it there? Yeah. yeah. In verse three, it's gonna be like, I will be like a tree, right? Planted by rivers of water. And it goes on. So you may get the rhythm of it here, but what you do is you just take a little segment and then have them repeat it until you get finished with it. And then pray, bless them, and we're going to get something to eat, all right? Awesome. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Pastor Steve. You can open up uh, your Bible or pull it up on your phone doing Psalm 1 in the New King James Version for those who are curious. But I did want to say something real quick. Aren't you just so grateful that Pastor Steve and Cindy said yes when the Lord asked them to come back? You know, you look around at this church and all, and all of our changed lives, and so many of us have so many personal stories of how our lives were utterly transformed by stepping foot on this property, being a part of this church. And that would not have happened if he hadn't said yes. And so my challenge to you is, what's on the other side of your yes before the Lord? Steve's yes is his room. It's a big room, a lot of people. What does your yes look like? could be amazing. Let's declare the word over you. I'm so thrilled about Pastor Steve and Ashley's podcast and uh, going through the word of God together one year. You know, we were watching The Chosen the other day. How many like that show? Um, we're a little obsessed. It's one of the only things that we watch. Um, and it's not scriptural. I have to remind myself that sometimes. I'm not saying it's anti-scriptural. I'm just saying everything that the Jesus in the show says isn't written here. But I take it as such if I'm not careful. <laughs> but um, Jesus had met with, a le uh, I believe it was a leper who got healed. And he said, go to synagogue. Read the Torah. He said, I can't read. He said, then listen to it and let it transform you. Let's declare this today together as a church and let his word transform you. All right, so we're gonna, I'm gonna do my best for this homework assignment. Pastor Steve, you're watching this retroactively. I'm sorry, I'm kidding. Let's start with verse one. Blessed is your name, say it. You all said your name, not your name, right? Okay. I will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But my delight is in the law of the Lord. Woof. And in his law, I meditate day and night. I will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth my fruit in season, <laughs> whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever I do shall prosper. Now, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Listen to this last part here. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous.
but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Come on, lift up your hand. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you know the way of the righteous. And in this house this morning, we are filled with the saints. We're filled with people who have surrendered their lives to you, God, whose righteousness is not their own, but the righteousness of Christ. God, that when you look at us, you see your son. You see us covered in the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we're so thankful for the gift of your righteousness that we become it, Lord, that that blood that covers us is not a stain that blots out just the sin, but it's a stain that changes us to the uttermost, God, that you've rescued each one of us. And Father, I just pray over this congregation, Lord, let 2024 be the year where your word comes alive in our lives, unlike we've ever experienced before. Lord, that it would be like a wind of God, like in the 60s and the Jesus people movement, that we would feel it rustling in our homes and in our workplaces and in our relationship, God, that a hunger and thirst and a zeal for your house would overtake us, God, and that it would drive us into your presence, that it would drive us to become the people that you've created us to be. And Lord, I just pray, Father, for people who have specifically, I know this is tough to say, I just felt like the Lord told me to say it. If you failed in the past when you tried to read through the Bible in a year and you carry shame for it, let this be the year, God, where the shame is broken off, Father, and that you drive us into the presence and that we are diligent and we read through this whole thing and let it transform our lives. And I pray that this would just be your first year through the word and that many more to come in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.